All right, welcome back. Another week of the 573 Report here Wednesday afternoon brought to you as always by 573 Tees in Columbia, 573TEES.com. You can hit them up in Alley A between 9th and 10th Street in downtown Columbia. They are coming out with new products nonstop. They have a Mizzou hockey shirt out now that you can uh can get that might relate to a certain team uh, from the West that I don't know if Kansas and Missouri are big hockey rivals, but they're big rivals and everything else. So I guess uh, it would probably follow that the hockey teams don't like each other either, but make sure to go to 573Ts for anything you need. If you forgot to get your wife or girlfriend a Valentine's Day present, I'm sure they have something great at 573Ts that will completely redeem you in the eyes of your significant other when uh, she opens up a brand new uh, powermazoo.com t-shirt from 573Ts. So go make sure to do that. Uh, We'll bring Mitchell Forty in now. Speaking of uh, rivals or at least supposed rivals, not the best year for Missouri basketball against those teams that we consider to be uh, quote-unquote rivalry games. Yeah, uh, that continued last night. Uh, what, 19-point loss to Arkansas? So that followed the 44-point loss to Arkansas and the 37-point loss to Kansas and the 20-something point loss to Illinois. Less than ideal. I will say, circling back, I have a, a 573 plug slash teaser, which I guess I could make, do a T-E-E teaser. Well, that'd be a good pun. Uh, I have a story running tomorrow that involves 573 T's and their partnership with Chad Bailey. So check that out on the site. Excellent. There you go. Uh, good uh, good cross promotion there, which is something that, that we've definitely tried to do. Speaking of promotion, uh, if you're joining us live, appreciate it. Uh, hit the, the like button, subscribe to the channel. Go ahead and, and leave your questions and comments over in the queue. We will get to them as the show goes along. If you listen on the podcast afterwards, leave us a nice review, say nice things about us, uh, share it on social media, all that. It, uh, it helps get more ears and eyes on the show, which is always good for us, more eyes and ears, something Missouri basketball could use. So, I look, I don't want to talk about the game last night against Arkansas. It was another bad game in a season of bad games. They're 10 and 15. They're 4 and 8. Uh, they've got two with with Mississippi State. They've got Tennessee coming. They're probably going to be sitting 11 and 17 and 5 and 10 here in about a week. And it is what it is. Um, but two things struck me last night. Um, well, one last night and then one actually was brought up to me this afternoon. We'll get to it in a minute. But last night, I, correct me if you felt differently. And I didn't really think about it or, or look at it much at the time. But, you know, Conzo Martin was just, it was like a script he was reading from telling us, hey, we didn't play well tonight. Didn't play the, the way we know we can. Um, we've gotten a lot better, but tonight was a bad night, all that. It, Thinking more about that press conference last night, it was a different tone than we've seen, and it struck me a little bit for the first time as maybe a guy lobbying for his job a little bit in the media. Do you think that's overreaction? No. um, I I mean, I think that... On one hand, I do kind of think he probably believed that they are better than they showed last night and they just had a bad night. And that is true. Like they had been playing better lately. It hadn't resulted in a lot of wins, but 
they were last night was worse than they had been in a while at the same time though. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that, you know, in, in the past he's been, he's been, you know, uh, he's never going to say a ton after a game, but a little bit more willing to delve into kind of what went wrong or what happened. And, and last night it was a little more, I, I thought he sounded just a little more worn down than, than he has at times this season. And, and he kind of, it was similar after Vanderbilt a week ago, but um, just, yeah, he, he was just, he did not really want to get into it. It's basically like, yeah, we didn't play well. There's not, not anything more mysterious than that. And uh that was the that was the extent of it. And, and sometimes there's not a lot more to say, right? Arkansas was better at everything. That game was I I, I told you at fifteen four ball game. Like we're done. Yeah. Six minutes in, we're done. And it was obvious. Um, similar to the last Arkansas game. The only difference I think is that Arkansas tried in the second half a little harder the first time around than they tried this time around. I think Missouri's comeback in the second half, and I use that term loosely, they never got it within ten, but I think that was based solely on the fact that Arkansas had basically quit carrying and then they got within eleven and Eric Musselman said, Guys, can you just try for like another ninety seconds? And they did, and it was a seven oh run and the game was over. But it was, and look, I, I don't try to overreact and put a lot of stock in what coaches say right after games. I think it's largely, I know it sounds bad to say because it's what we do, but I think it's largely a waste of time. But the idea that, hey, we've gotten better and we're playing better, I don't really know if that's true. I mean, they've lost four of their last 11 by double digits. They've lost seven out of nine games. The only team they've beaten in four and a half weeks is Mississippi. I, Yeah, you, you only lost by one to Florida, and you only lost by one to Auburn, and you split with a bad A&M team, but I, I don't know. It, I guess that's better, but, like, better from what? You know, I mean, the only reason it's better is because the first month of the season was so bad. Exactly. Yeah, that's the problem is, I mean, yeah, they've gotten better, but better is not good enough when it's not resulting in wins. And that's what I've been saying for a little while. Like, okay, cool. It's good that you're playing some of these teams close, but some of those need to result in wins for the ultimate outcome to be, you know, feeling like there's positive momentum headed into next season. And certainly at this point, it it doesn't really feel that way. I mean, you know, last night's game was more lopsided than most of the losses we've seen recently, but we've still seen a majority losses. And, and, you know, like the, the craziest thing to me, I think is they, they haven't been able to, not only have they not been able to carry momentum, it's like when they finally win a game, you can pencil them in for a lopsided loss the next game. They have lost eight straight games after a win, seven of them by double digits. And I, you know, you're talking about next year, and that's really at this point, that's all this is about. This is no, I don't care if they end up 10 and 21 or 16 and 15. It really doesn't matter to me. Um, other than 16 and 15 would, hey, show obviously that they somehow are playing better for sure in the last three weeks. But so we all know what this is coming to in, in three and a half weeks, and there is a decision to be made because if there wasn't a decision to be made, I've got to believe that Desiree Reed Francois would have come out at some point and said, guys, you got to quit this speculation. He's our coach next year. And she hasn't said that. So so there's obviously a decision to be made. And there are conversations being had, and and I feel comfortable saying that. Um, you know, and Conzo and is not unaware of that. He's, for whatever his faults might be, he is not an idiot. He's not deaf. He understands what's going on. But so a lot of people think this is a foregone conclusion and look maybe it is i i don't have anybody having told me that i don't necessarily believe it but but people say okay what's the argument to bring him back i'm going to make that argument now i want to be clear 
This is not necessarily the argument that I believe, that I subscribe to, that I think should be persuasive, whatever. But this is the argument I think Conzo has to make if he's going to get another year. So two years ago, they had a losing record, 15 and 16, something like that, right? That was the the, the team that Jordan Geist was on, I think. And they, they weren't good, but, it, you know. So most of the roster was coming back that following year. And so to me, if Conzo's going to make a case, he goes to the AD and the president and the curators and whoever's involved in this decision and says, I know we weren't good this year. But we had a lot of new guys. And if you look back two years ago, we weren't very good. And we were bringing back a bunch of the same guys. And everybody said, well, why will we be any better next year? We're just bringing back the same guys. And we were better. We were at one point in the top 10 and we made an NCAA tournament and all that. Now, I am not telling anybody that they should believe that argument. Because I look at it and I say, okay, but where's the Drew Smith here? Where's the Jeremiah Tillman? Where's the Xavier Pinson? But... But the idea is, I've improved a roster in its second year before. I deserve the chance to do it again. Again, not saying that is an argument that should or should not be successful. But to me, that's the argument he has to make. Yeah, I I tend to agree. I actually do think that... You know, one of the things Gonzo Martin can kind of hang his head on is player development. Um, I know I know that's an unpopular take because it's unpopular to say he can do anything right. But if you look at it, like, I don't think the recruiting's been good enough. But a lot of guys have gotten better during their course at Mizzou. I mean, Jordan guys, you know, you mentioned him, got a lot better. Javon Pickett, we've seen him play a lot better lately, you know. Um, you mentioned Tillman. You mentioned Drew Smith. Like, those are guys that I think improved. And and as you mentioned, when when those guys had a few years in the program, they were able to put together a pretty good season. Um, so I think that, yeah, you could make the argument that he has the, you know, he has the, he's earned the right to, to try that again and to, to get, you know, have another year with these guys that said, I mean, obviously, you know, he's going to need to bring in at least one or two more, you know, helpful pieces in order to, in order to take any sort of a next step with this team. And it's a little bit hard to trust him to do that when he failed to do that this past season. And like, I still want to know, like, I mean, what, what did, what made you think the point guards position was going to work this past year? And like, how, why would it be different next year? So, yeah, you know, at this point, I think that if you don't acknowledge that the argument can be made both ways, you've probably had your mind made up one way or another for a while. It's, it's not, you know, a no brainer decision one way or the other, but I also, I'm not going to vehemently argue with either side at this point. So here's kind of the second thing I wanted to bring up. And I, I, I take full blame for never really having looked at it this way. And I don't know why I didn't, but somebody brought up the point to me today. You know, if you get rid of him after this season, we all know the $6 million number that's there, right? You're not actually losing any, spend, really spending any more money because look at it this way. If, if they make an, reach an agreement sometime between March and May that, that he's going to you know mutually step down or whatever, it's going to cost them $6 million. If they bring him back next year, they owe him $3 million to coach the season, and then the buyout after the season is somewhere around $3 million. That adds up to $6 million. So what you're really talking about is the difference. You've got to find money to pay another coach next season. It's $6 million now plus a new coach next season, or $3 million now and $3 million next season and then a, a new coach. I mean, it's basically a new coaching staff salary. And... <laughs> So I don't know why I hadn't thought of it that way, right? I was thinking the $6 million price tag, it's all there. But 
ultimately, they don't really save money by bringing him back next year. What they do is give him a year to either prove he can get this done or, like if you're looking on the negative side, just kick the can down the, the road a year and give you one more year of this program not having gotten it going and, and not having won an NCAA tournament game. I would make the argument, it, looking at it through that lens, this no longer is a financial decision to me. If you yeah. cannot pony up whatever, four and a half, five million dollars, whatever it would cost to get a new coach in, you don't need to be here playing in this league. And like, whatever, if your argument is we think he's the guy who can get this thing going again, okay. I don't have to agree with it, but that's the argument to make. If your argument is, well, we can't come up with four and a half million dollars to pay a new coach while we're paying this one off, then you're playing the wrong game in the wrong conference. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a fair point. Um, I mean, I, I, I would guess the contract, the way it's worded, adds a little bit of of difficulty just because of the fact that he can't technically be fired till May 1st. But I do agree that there's ways around that. And it probably doesn't cost a whole lot more than the $6 million number. And so then, yeah, you're just talking about whatever. Maybe if that's a little bit more plus the the salary of the new staff, which, yeah, probably 4 or $5 million that, you know, it's – I, I I I push back sometimes on the people who say like oh you're going to lose that in ticket sales if you don't make a change that's not true uh, the basketball ticket sales don't make that much money and especially compared to when you look at like the worst year to the best year like 2017 from the last year the Kim year the difference was like a million and a half but that said I, that's not an argument to not make the change I do think that the longer you go with you know fans not really caring with the program not being relevant the harder it is to get back to that point and so you're not talking about just a one year over one year comparison and so yeah i agree i think ultimately it does come down to okay based off what we've seen from this guy here and, and throughout his career do we still think that he is the guy to get mizzou basketball where it needs to be and you know i i i think at this point the best case answer in favor of console martin is uh i don't know we'll we'll give him one more shot i i, I would see i would be hard pressed to see someone saying an emphatic yes i wouldn't be stunned if, you know if someone said an emphatic no based off of yeah the program's better than it was when he took over and he's a relatively high floor guy and he and we knew that but he's never been the guy to get a program to the next level and he's got a couple years left on his deal but let's be honest if they do bring him back like you can't sign an extension after I don't even care if it's an extension with nothing added to the buyout. Like, just the optics, the the way it looks to this fan base of hey, we're extending this guy after this season looks really bad. So he, if he comes back next year, he is coming back on the hottest seat in America. Now, look, we live in a world where Auburn just tried to run its own guy out, and now it's trying to bring. So, like, I understand logic doesn't come into college sports, but if you're bringing him back next year, you're bringing him back in a situation that makes it very difficult for him to go out and recruit anybody. I mean, you're telling him you have to be in the NCAA tournament next year, or or we're done in 12 months. And it, I've always said, if that's the case, if you're like hinging things on one game, I, I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe you need to to just make the move um so it's look we're going to get to that point um we're pretty close to that point there's only three weeks left in the regular season um the the sec tournament is is coming up we will we will be at that point soon and there will begin to be some answers um i would imagine whenever missouri is done at the ncaa or at the sec tournament we're expecting that realistically not to be later than friday and probably not later than thursday um, then I think there's got to be resolution by like 
the following Monday at the very latest, you know, the day after selection Sunday, like you, there's either has to have been a statement, Hey, this is our guy. What are you talking about? Or, Hey, we're moving on and, and, and let's figure it out. So, um, we're getting there. Um, we, we have some questions about it. Obviously that's, this is kind of the number one thing. So, but, but I agree with you. It all comes down to, is he the guy that can get this done? And what does get this done look like? Is he the guy that can get you back to a nine seed? Yeah. Is that good enough? I, you know, I don't know. That's not my decision. But uh, AU Stock says, do you believe if Konzo was more active on social media about recruits like Drinkwitz is, there would be more excitement around basketball or has the fan base already moved on? I go back and forth here. Um, I mean, would it help? Maybe to some degree. But there's two things there. At some point, even good PR has to turn into, you know, results. Um, and whether when you think that has to happen for Eli is up to you, whether you think it's this year, or the next year, whatever, um, you know, but at some point, the results on the field have to match his PR game. Secondly, you just can't be somebody you aren't. I mean, that's who Eli Drinkwitz is. He's a salesman. He's a social media savvy guy, savvy guy. That's not Conzo. That's not his personality. To me, it would come off very fake if he was doing that. Yeah, ultimately, I, I don't think it would really help. I mean, people were plenty excited about the basketball program when he first took over, and he was mo- no more active on social media. He just had better players, more exciting players. If you, you get players and you win, people will be happy. If you don't and you don't, then people are not going to be happy no matter how much you know social media stuff you do. Then you're Butch Jones. <laughs> Zach wants to know, did the hog call last night physically pain you like it did me? It did not physically pain me. I can say that. I can say, though, like that lends into another point of, I I mean, let's say there were 6,000 people there last night. I don't know if that's accurate. It seems accurate-ish to me. Yeah. Um, Like, I don't know, 1,500, 2,000 of them were Arkansas fans. Like, there were the, the – the, Woo pig chant at the end of the game was audible. I mean, you noticed it and you heard it on TV. And so, I mean, that's being in that arena last night, that's part of this discussion. I, I mean, there is, I, I don't think this program and this team are like year two or year three Kim Anderson level bad, but I do think fan apathy is at a very similar level. Yeah, I would tend to agree. Um, I mean, we, we've seen it all season, aside from a couple promo deals that got the students there, and not many people have come to these games, and I'm not surprised, you know, I mean, when you lose to UMKC in the second game, that's going to happen, and then obviously don't win any any other ones of note, so yeah, I, I think that has to be it figured into the the comp the comp <clears throat> sorry the calculus not not just because like I said you know mathematically oh we can make up enough ticket sales to pay a new coach but the longer you go with people not showing up the the sooner you get to a point of people being like well why would I ever go why did I ever go like you you get people out of the habit hey, we talked uh, a game or two ago and like we understand the liability here probably makes it not able you're not able to do it but like. Whatever promo, and, and I give Desiree Reed Francois credit. They have come up with some ideas and ways to get people in the stands. Free food. You know, people say, well, dollar tickets, that looks stupid. Well, it's better than nobody being there. You know, right. um, free, free, whatever it was, uh, canes or something at a game. Good. You get people mm-hmm. there. Cool. I Like the most crowded places I were when I was a student at Missouri were penny pitchers at Fieldhouse and quarter draws at Harpo's. So... Is there something that says if you have a valid ID, we can't sell you beers for a quarter? 
I, I don't know. Don't you think? <laughs> I think there is actually a city law now that you can't, like, make beer cheaper than soda or something like that. Okay, so sell the soda for a dime. Well, I think I think that's I, I think the point was to end things like pennies, uh, but uh, you know, again, I'm I'm no expert. I do th- I I was in agreement with you for the record when we had this conversation that dollar beers at a basketball game is a f- phenomenal idea. Uh, I don't think it will actually happen for for liability reasons, but yes, I mean, yeah, any anything you can do to put people in the stands, if you're even if they're not spending much on tickets or much on concessions, it's more than you would get if no one was there. So I want to be clear, first of all, that I may now run for mayor because you've alerted me to this rule. This is a terrible rule. Penny it would be very is, popular among the college kids. I'm just not sure how many of them vote. Right. I don't think any of them can vote or do vote in uh, Boone County. But, you know, um, I, back to the point, like, I don't know, do it for alumni, too. Or I, you probably can't do it for just students with with valid ID. I mean, make somebody prove they're 21. I'm not saying you you'd say, hey, you know, uh, freshman, you pay $2, sophomores $1.50, juniors $1. I'm not sure that's the worst idea either, but I'm just looking for ways to get butts and seats. And if anybody if anybody over there needs some ideas, most of my ideas will relate to cheap alcohol. So uh, just, just be forewarned that, that, that is, uh, that's my platform coming in. Uh, Kyle says, not that it factors into keeping or firing Conzo, but do you get the feeling that Aiden Shaw committed to the school or to Conzo more? I know his parents attended Missouri. I, I don't know the answer to that question, I, but I do agree with the, the first sentence, which is you don't make the decision on Conzo Martin based on Aiden Shaw, obviously. You've talked to him a few more times than I have. I I don't really – I mean, he had other options. He certainly, if Conzo isn't the coach, would have the ability to get out of his LOI and, and look around, but I don't have any feeling for whether he would or not. Yeah, I don't really either. Um, I, I think probably it had a little bit more to do with the staff than the program. Um, I mean, like, you know, that's what he would always talk about when we talked to his oh, the staff. I feel like family, et cetera, et cetera. But maybe that I mean, like, I don't ever actually trust anything, anything most of these kids say. It's just like I wanted to go here for whatever reason. And I'm going to tell you the reason that sounds best. So not saying that's specific to Aiden Shaw. That's all recruits ever. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that, uh, you know, maybe by that point, everywhere else will have will be fairly full, although probably not with all the transfers we're going to have this spring. So you might still get them in a way, but yes, most importantly, I, you know, it's not, not like this is the top kid in the country. He's a fine player. He's like a top 80 kid. He's, I don't think he's someone who's going to come in and transform your program right away. I don't think you make the decision based off that. Um, all right. Ron Davis says, uh, how do you guys find new things and angles to write about during this basketball season? Your troopers showing up. So I want to say two things. First of all, we really don't. Like we yeah. just kind of write the same story. I, 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 there aren't many new. If you go back and read our last six stories, they've all pretty much been the same. So maybe that's a failure on our part. But as far as like, hey, you know, people that are like, oh, it's okay, just skip the game, and I feel bad for you having to go. Like, let's be clear here: we get paid to be there. I feel bad for you guys because you guys are actually paying to sit through this. We, this is, you know, I mean. We paid to do this. We're not there just out of the goodness of our hearts. So I don't think anybody should really feel awful for us that we're watching Missouri basketball. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There are things I'd rather be doing a lot of times, but the check's still clear, so I will go. 
Yeah, it's it's not too great of a hardship. Even the 8 p.m. game that had some of us grumble like last night. But uh, yeah, no, it's, I agree. I, I yeah, I will say to Ron's first question, uh, I I don't think we've written anything particularly unique in the last while. It's all just here's the game preview, and now here's what happened. I mean, one of your columns recently was just like we just keep seeing this same rerun, like as in nothing new is happening. It's the same. So yeah, um, you know. And we'll try to we try to have some other some other interesting stuff uh, about about other things on the site. But basketball, the best we can do is sit or sit there and come up with ideas for 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 putting people in the stands or coming up with stats like how I'm I'm convinced that Mizzou leads the nation in possessions in which the ball doesn't end up touching the rim, even though I can't prove it. That's that's what I spent most of last night trying to figure out. I, I want to be clear too. the my first complaint yesterday of the 8 p.m. tip was at 11.43 a.m., and I was like, I can't believe they don't tip off for eight hours. Now, my first complaint of the 8 p.m. game was days ahead of that, but my first complaint yesterday was a little bit before noon. It, it did not wait for last night. Um, all right, we got a couple of football questions in here, too. We'll get to any updates on the Marquise Robinson situation. And look, there's no update. Um, he, as we posted on our board, I believe it was last Friday, I had a source indicate to me that he was enrolled in classes at Missouri. Enrolled in classes, not just admitted to the university, but enrolled in classes. Um, and he's not here, and we haven't seen any indication from him or from Missouri that he assigned or committed or anything like that. And I want to be clear, we never said he was committed. I don't know that. Uh, all I knew was that he was enrolled in, he was like listed as enrolled in classes, according to a source that that I have on campus. So um, we don't know. I I mean, it's really, I'm not sure if Missouri knows. They may know more about what's going on than we do, but if so, certainly nobody has filled us in. It's it's awfully strange. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's always been a little weird with, you know, his name popping up in the directory and then, you know, taking a quick visit here, quick visit to Tennessee, then some of the quotes about the facilities on it, like, and then, yeah, the, the point where it went it went really quiet for a while and then he was supposed to uh, allegedly supposed to show up on campus last weekend and I guess didn't so we'll see I mean you know reminder that the transfers are not beholden to any real timeline they just have I mean they have to be in the portal before May 1st to be eligible next season he obviously did that so like theoretically he could just show up in the fall I guess if Mizzou will still have him uh, or I mean in the summer um, when they, whenever they start workouts and stuff but I, I, I have no idea at what point the coaches would say like we're moving on here or I, I don't really know it's I weird do, I do know too they're like there are rules as far as progressing toward a degree and, and all right, that. Right. So like, that's true. I yeah. don't know if he can just not take classes anywhere this semester and show, maybe yeah. he can. again, I, I don't know exactly what those rules are, but I don't know if he's in class at Auburn. I don't know if he's in class somewhere else. I don't know if he's doing online classes at Missouri. I, I would think that's not the case because we haven't heard if that was the case someone somewhere would have said that he is committed to the University of Missouri and no one has said that. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. Just another add it to the to the list of strange recruiting tales. The magic man says, did drink say he was the QB coach last year and he didn't give much attention to the QBs. That's not exactly what he said. He was the quarterbacks coach last year. What he said is he is, he gave that to Bush Hamden so that he would have more time to give to other areas this year. So um, I I think you're just kind of crossing a couple things there. And I, I don't know, Mitchell, if you have anything to add to that, but I just kind of wanted to clear it up. (laughs) 
Yeah, basically what he said was, yeah, he's the quarterback's coach, the offensive coordinator, and the head coach. And when things were struggling elsewhere early in the season, he devoted more of his time to those areas. And that maybe took a little bit of attention away from the quarterbacks. And now they won't have that problem where he has to choose between sometimes quarterbacks individually or team as a whole. Um, The last question that we've got, Snoop wants to know a guess as to the chances of JT Daniels. I don't think very good based on what I've he- what I'm hearing. Um, I think Missouri has some interest. I think there has been some contact made there. I did have one person tell me that that from what they'd heard, JT Daniels was gonna he didn't want to play in the SEC and he was probably gonna go to a different con- conference somewhere where he might be able to put up some video game numbers and you know turn the heads of some SEC scouts. So, but I've gotten the feeling over the last couple weeks that the chances of Missouri adding a transfer quarterback after spring football might be a little bit better than I thought they were a few weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, let's. Yeah, I, I think let's put it this way: like, if they don't add someone after spring football, it means either they were really impressed with Brady Cook and Tyler Macon, or they struck out and and we will probably know if they try and strike out. I mean, I think, you know, you'll, you'll hear some murmurs of them being connected to some guys. So we will get our answer uh, after spring practice on, on what Eli Drinkwitz thinks about the future of the quarterback position. Yeah. And we did get a, a practice schedule yesterday. Missouri opens a week from Friday, um, Friday, mm-hmm. February 25th is the first practice. Uh, March 19th is tentatively the spring game. I think, uh, game you know I I honestly I didn't even write from the spring game last year because it just there was just nothing um we will have access at a couple of press conferences and four or five uh four or five practices in between there we will certainly keep you guys up to date on um anything that happens and I don't know um other than women's basketball like maybe they're gonna make the tournament now um I don't really think there's anything else Squarely on the bubble, I saw, what, 10 seed in the latest bracketology. So, yeah, they've got some work to do, and they've got a, a few tough games down the stretch here. But, yeah, it's mostly going to be switching over years to spring football starting next week. So uh, we will we will have that for you. All right. Well, uh, I don't know. Mitch, have a good weekend. Everybody watching, have a good weekend. Uh, Mitch, we'll let you go, and I'll talk for another minute or two. Sounds good. All right. Uh, that is Mitchell Forty hanging out with us. Appreciate all you guys who were here watching live and uh, and taking part in the show and all that. If you were here, still are here, and haven't done so yet, hit the like button or the subscribe button on the channel. If uh, you are listening on the podcast, give us a nice review, say good things, all of that. We appreciate all those things that that get our product out to more eyes eyeballs, ear holes, all that. Um, so thank you for doing that. And also make sure to support the people that support us. And in this specific case, that is 573Ts at 573Tees.com. As Mitchell said, he's going to have a story tomorrow on uh, Power Mizzou uh, about Chad Bailey partnering with 573Ts on a, a pretty cool project here in Columbia in, in a, a really good like charitable um, cause in, in kind of a way that, that – name image and likeness can benefit more than just the player so look for that story uh tomorrow on the site we'll keep up uh two basketball games coming up obviously recruiting always kind of goes and spring football going to take center stage next week we'll keep up with all of it and we'll be back next wednesday on this show appreciate you guys uh watching here hope we uh see you over at power mizzou and we will talk to you next week